Welcome to the Adams Road podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. Every week we examine a chapter in the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. You can find our weekly content by searching Adams Road podcast on your podcast app. Let's start today by listening through Hebrews chapter 5. For every high priest, being taken from among men, is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. The high priest can deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray, because he himself is also surrounded with weakness. Because of this, he must offer sacrifices for sins for the people as well as for himself. Nobody takes this honor on himself, but he is called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ didn't glorify himself to be made a high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. As he says in another place, You are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. He in the days of his flesh, having offered up prayers and petitions with strong crying and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and having been heard for his godly fear, though he was a son, yet learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Having been made perfect, he became to all of those who obey him the author of eternal salvation, named by God a high priest, after the order of Melchizedek. About him we have many words to say, and hard to interpret, seeing you have become dull of hearing. For although by this time you should be teachers, you again need to have someone teach you the rudiments of the first principles of the revelations of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is not experienced in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But solid food is for those who are full grown, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. Today we are in Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 1 says, For every high priest, being taken from among men, is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. We see here that God established the priestly office of the Mosaic Covenant. For example, in Exodus 28.1 it says, Bring Aaron your brother and his sons with him, near to you from among the children of Israel that he may minister to me in the priest's office, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Dithamar, Aaron's sons. So the main job of the high priest was to officiate sacrifices to the Lord on behalf of the people. In addition to blood atonement for sins, many of the ritual sacrifices were offered as gifts to God as an expression of gratitude and worship. Hebrews 5 verse 2 says, the high priest can deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray, because he himself is also surrounded with weakness. In Exodus 28, 4-30, we see God's commands for the high priest helping to ensure that he would minister with compassion. For example, on the breastplate of the high priest were set twelve stones engraved with the names of the tribes of Israel, and on the shoulder straps were stones engraved with the names of the tribes. This was to show that the people of Israel were always on the heart and on the shoulders of the high priest. And if we go on back to Hebrews 5 verse 3, it says, Because of this, he must offer sacrifices for sins for the people as well as for himself. 
Leviticus chapter 16 tells us about the Day of Atonement. And it was on that day that the high priest once a year had to sacrifice for himself first. The idea is that the high priest should have compassion for the people in representing them before God, especially in light of having to deal with his own sins first. Of course, Jesus never sinned, and yet he has perfect compassion on us in representing us before God as our high priest. Though he wasn't a sinner himself, he bore our sins in his body. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 4 says, Nobody takes this honor on himself, but he is called by God, just like Aaron was. In the modern-day world of politics, a person may aspire to a particular office or position and even campaign for it. If he's popular, maybe he gets voted in. But the office of high priest in the Mosaic Covenant wasn't anything a person could aspire to or campaign for. God chose it. It was given by right of birth an honor no man could take to himself. Every priest came from Levi, one of Israel's sons. You would have had to have descended from great-grandpa Abraham's great-grandson Levi. The entire tribe, in fact, was set apart to represent Israel before God and be devoted fully to his service. Certain family lines stemming from Levi had certain duties, but for the priesthood itself, It had to come not only from Levi, but specifically through Aaron, the brother of Moses, which was of the family of Kohath. So the high priest was generally the eldest son of Aaron, except if they disqualified themselves, like Nadab and Abihu did in Leviticus 10, when they offered strange fire before the Lord that he didn't command, or disqualification according to the regulations of Leviticus 21, like you weren't allowed to shave off the corner of your beard, or you couldn't have any cuttings in your flesh. Again, the point being that the priesthood was not popularly elected or appointed by men, but chosen by God. Now, there were instances in the Old Testament where men presumed to act as priests who were not actually priests. (laughs) Not a smart thing to do. It never turned out good for any of them. Take, for example, Korah in number 16. He tried to exalt himself in the congregation above Moses and the priesthood challenging them in rebellion against God. But for Korah and those with him who exalted themselves in that way, this is what it says. The earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses. Or we see another example in 1 Samuel 13. After waiting a week, King Saul grew impatient and decided to offer burnt offerings himself instead of waiting for Samuel, who was the priest and prophet. As a result, he was judged and lost the kingdom to David. Or King Uzziah, because of his pride, presumed to burn incense before the Lord in the temple, a duty delegated only to the priests. His punishment? Leprosy. So what's the point? A sinner can't undertake anything towards God without proper mediation. That's the point. But it is possible for us to approach God today because we have a great high priest, Jesus. All right, so if we continue here in Hebrews 5, verse 5, it says, Christ didn't glorify himself to be made a high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have become your father. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus didn't have to be of the lineage of Aaron to be a priest, because God had appointed him a priest forever after the greater order of Melchizedek. Maybe it was confusing for Jews to wrap their heads around Jesus' qualifications as a high priest. 
After all, he didn't claim or practice any special ministry in the temple, but instead of sucking up to the religious elites and joining them, he confronted them. You see, many believe that in Jesus' day, the Levitical priesthood had become a corrupt institution. Jesus was made a high priest, not through politicking or getting in with the right crowd, or even through earthly genealogy, but because of his heavenly origin, God said, you are my son, today I have become your father. And that's from Psalm 2-7. Jesus is the only begotten son of the father, the second member of the Trinity. He's God manifested in the flesh. Jesus was made a high priest because God the Father exalted him to be such by declaring, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And there the writer is quoting uh, Psalm 110 verse four. Hebrews chapter five verse seven says, he in the days of his flesh, having offered up prayers and petitions with strong crying and tears to him who was able to save him from death and having been heard for his godly fear, though he was a son, yet learned obedience by the things which he suffered. It says in Luke 22:44, in being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And from Matthew 26, 39, it says, he fell on his face and prayed saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So what did that demonstrate? Jesus knows what it's like to struggle with the challenges of obedience. The prospect of heading to the cross brought so much anguish. His sweat was like blood and he wished the cup of the cross would pass and yet he obeyed perfectly. And because this experience of obedience was lived out while Jesus was in human form, while he was a person like us in the flesh, he can have ultimate compassion on us. We have a great high priest who can say, I know what you're going through. I get it. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. If we struggle to obey, we can turn to Jesus. We have a merciful, empathetic high priest who will grant us mercy and grace to help in any time of need. The 23rd Psalm instructs, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When anxiety and stress bring us to a breaking point, turn to Jesus for peace and strength. Obedience isn't always peaches and roses. Jesus' experience with obedience involved suffering. We can expect the same with ours. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Acts 14.22 says that it is through many tribulations that we enter the kingdom of God. Again, though he was a son, yet learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And continuing on here, verse 9 says, Having been made perfect, he became to all of those who obey him the author of eternal salvation. In what sense does our obedience make Christ the source of our salvation? Romans 1.5 and Romans 16.26 mentions the obedience of faith, which is simply obeying the command to believe the gospel. John 3.18 says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The disobedience that brings condemnation is unbelief. 
The obedience that brings salvation is faith. By trusting in the finished work of Christ on the cross alone for our salvation, His death for our sins, we are obeying God's command to believe the gospel. And when we obey God's command to believe the gospel, that He died for our sins, was buried, and was raised on the third day, we experience the benefits of Christ being the author or source of our salvation. He is, by the way, the only source for anyone's salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Moving on in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 10 says, Named by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, about him we have many words to say and hard to interpret, seeing you have become dull of hearing. The writer here seems to be taking a short break or tangent now before going into more depth about the connection of Jesus, for example, to Melchizedek because he wants to address their spiritual condition. And he goes on in verse 12, For although by this time you should be teachers, you again need to have someone teach you the rudiments of the first principles of the revelations of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is not experienced in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But solid food is for those who are full-grown, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. <laughs> it's almost as if the writer is about to give some meat of the word, <laughs> but then he makes the point that the people that he's writing to probably won't even be interested in the meat. They actually need milk. They're dull of hearing. They're spiritually immature. They're not able yet to receive a lot of the things that this minister of the word wants to share with them. I will say this, it's not that milk is bad. The milk of the word is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing and a necessary thing. Peter reminds us all as newborn babies, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Milk should be a steady part of the diet. It's just that as we grow in the knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ, we should be able to handle some meat as well along with the milk. You know, I like to eat steak and I enjoy that along with a big glass of milk. Do we love the Word so much that we just can't wait to devour it every day? Do we experience the life God's Word can provide? There's so much beauty and depth to Christ and to His Word which exalts Him. In fact, Jesus is the Word of God made flesh. The reservoir of life through His Word is endlessly deep and abundant. The writer of Hebrews is telling them, you should be teachers by now. How invested are we into Christ? and a personal relationship with Him through His Word. When I first started dating my wife, Nicole, our conversations were sometimes superficial. As we got to know each other, though, with time, we opened up more and more. There was more depth and meaning to our conversations and interactions. And our love for each other, it grows every day and every week. How is our love for Christ? Has it grown since our initial conversion? Do we yearn to commune with Him through His Word and through prayer? In our own Christian walk, maybe it can be helpful to ask ourselves, are we growing spiritually? Are we unskilled in the word of righteousness? It's not expected for infants in Christ to be theologians. We're not expected to be theologians, but if we've been in Christ for many years, are we still behaving as infants? Do we have a working knowledge of Scripture? Can we communicate fundamental principles of God with those who are asking or seeking? Or do we rely on our pastor to quote-unquote know everything? Eternal life is to know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Guys, let's feast upon the abundant life found through his word 
and continue to grow in our love for and relationship with Jesus. His Holy Spirit in us empowers us to do so, as we who are in Him can be assured and confident that He who has began a good work in us will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. in the law again Are you that foolish You began by the Spirit Are you now being perfected by your flesh and works you've done Is it by works you or by hearing with faith Oh, have you abandoned your first love? Oh, don't you remember? The desires of your eyes Have you left the living waters To make cisterns for yourself? Oh, if you do The Father's love is not in you Redeemed you from
That was First Love from the Adams Road album, Immeasurable. Jesus is enough. He paid it all. He has set aside and nailed to his cross the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. And through faith in Jesus, we are forgiven and free to serve and love. This is the Adams Road Podcast. 
and outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at adamsroadministry.com. Again, that's adamsroadministry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Feel free to join us next week as we examine Hebrews chapter 6. Grace and peace be with you all.